Well, hello, everybody. This is Lynette and Brian Wolf. Hi, everybody. Hello. We are so excited to do this alumni call. If you're on the right call, you're on the alumni call. And um, this, just to remind you that this call is the fourth Monday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So put it on your calendars. Just take your calendar for the next 12 months and mark out the fourth Monday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And remember that uh, to get in the queue, now you can either have questions. We have quite a few lead sheets that students sent in. So if you've got lead sheets um, or deals you just want to talk about, even if you didn't send in the lead sheet, no big deal, no worries there. Um, all you have to do is hit star 6 to get into the queue. So whether you have a question or a deal you want to talk about, isn't that right, Brian? That is exactly right. And we love talking about deals. We love closing deals. Guys, that's what obviously drives the machine is getting out there and getting the deals done. So it starts with the sellers, and so we're going to get into uh, how you're approaching your sellers, and we'll, I'm sure people will have questions with the deals that we're looking at today. Now remember with your alumni, everybody on the call is supposed to have attended the Quick Start Real Estate School, and that's why you got this number and you're on this call with us. And so a lot of times we'll have good, uh, you know, meaty, advanced, questions on this that uh, that you guys are running into now that you're out in the field and closing deals. So, uh, we're right, really and remember now, we all met you at the Quick Start Real Estate School. Um, so it would have been in the past uh, 15 years because that's when we met around the Grand was um, 15 years ago, and we've been teaching alongside with Ron at the Quick Start Real Estate School. So now if you haven't been back to the Quick Start Real Estate School, you know how you can come back for 12 months for free. Okay, keep coming back. Keep coming back. Every time you come back, you learn something new. We keep you on the cutting edge. And if it's been more than 12 months, it's only 500 bucks, and we definitely want you to come back because a lot of things have changed in the marketplace. And every time you get there, you get extra motivated. You always pick up new things, uh, even things you heard before but didn't quite sink in. And then, of course, you get around people who are doing the business and being successful, and that's always hugely motivating. Yeah, so I assume everybody knows us. We're in Arizona, king and queen of automation, and uh, we actually work with three local acquisitionists, um, and we actually work with our boys. Uh, Dashiell is our son, um, our 26-year-old son, and our Kale, Kale is our 23-year-old son, and we work with our boys, work with the family, and we love it. Um, and Always we are the family business, and this is a great family business. So some of you guys I know are doing that as well. And so uh, that's, that's an awesome part of this. You can do it with uh, people that you love. Right, honey? That's right. You'll love me after all these years. I love you so much, Munchie Crunch. Oh, my gosh. 31 years we've been married. I love you too, Ron LeGrand. <laughs> 30, we're, we're coming up on 32 years this summer, so pretty. That's right. We actually, just a real quick reminder, as long as you've got your calendars open there, um, we do have the alumni coming up. Yes, um, the alumni event, so everybody on this call, you're obviously all qualified to come to that. That's right. Mark that down, August 24th and 25th. Um, it's in Jacksonville, Florida, and the alumni is spectacular because that's a smaller crowd. It's a smaller group of students that have left the Quick Start Real Estate School and taken it out and implemented everything they've learned, and they've run into you know obstacles and 
and so forth. And so we can really, uh, Round the Grand teaches that alumni. It is phenomenal. What's great, too, is that's paired with our Taking Action Workshop. So, guys, when you're coming to the alumni event, our Taking Action Workshop is the two days prior to that in the same hotel, same room. So it's like a four-day event. Ours is free to everybody. So you guys make sure you, uh, all you got to do is register. You can call Global and register for the alumni and the Taking Action Workshop at the same time. That's right. So that Taking Action Workshop is August 22nd, 23rd. The alumni is the 24th and 25th. And um, call 904-262-0491. Yeah, we would love to see you there. And we really get into some great stuff at that Taking Action Workshop. Guys, if you're not taking enough action or the right kind of action uh, and you are putting obstacles in your own way, and I'll tell you what, that's, that's what happens out there. Uh, some of you guys have what we call first deal-itis. That's a self-inflicted <laughs> right. condition. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about that and a lot of other issues all sort of revolving around real estate investing, but other things as well. So That's right. And, um, honey, we do have our first person in the queue. So we're going to go ahead and remember uh, star six to get in the queue uh, with any kind of questions. The first one is from Richard. Richard, I recognize you. How are you doing? Lynette Rich from Pennsylvania. I'm doing great. And yourself? Yes. Hi, Rich. Oh, my hey. goodness. We're so proud of you. You are quite the action taker. Lynette, you're not old enough to have kids that are in our 20s, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, our son is 26 years old. Well, I got a 27-year-old. Oh, wow. Is he doing real estate yet? No, he's uh, he's doing retirement first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I got uh, three quick questions for you, if I can do three. You betcha. Uh, the first one, of course, I'm in Pennsylvania, and Ron has stated uh, more than once that you don't want to take uh, properties in a land trust in Pennsylvania because they messed that all up. So he says take them in uh, LLC. So my question is, should I use a separate LLC for each property, or should I put multiple properties in a single LLC? You know, that comes down, you never want to put more than three properties in any LLC. I think Dodd-Frank is short for this world, actually, but they do have some stipulation in there that you're not supposed to hold more than a certain number, three LLCs in any, uh, three properties in any LLC. You know, this comes down to partially how hard is it to set up and maintain an LLC in your state. Now, Arizona, it's really easy. There's no maintenance to it. There's no fees and nothing like that, and it's cheap, like 50 bucks. So we have a lot of LLCs, and some people actually will have a different LLC for every single different property. But again, if you've got some kind of LLC set up like in California where it costs you like you know, hundreds of dollars per year and you have to send paperwork in every year, that's, you, know, you don't want to do that. Um, you can set up LLCs in other states. Uh, but you do usually you have to have a resident address. So that's the reason people usually don't just have LLCs in the cheap states because uh, they don't have somebody who can, you know, have a, a physical address there for them. So, I, you know, it, do you know how, how hard is it to do an LLC in Pennsylvania? Well, I just put one together. Um, it was like two or 300 bucks, and it was a phone call or two and filling out some paperwork. We did it all over the Internet. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's not 20 bucks, but... Uh, so the only reason not to put 
six or eight properties in one LLC is Dodd-Frank. There's no other reason. Well, uh, and see now, it's just risk. It's a, it's a bigger risk factor because what if something happened at one of those properties and the LLC gets sued and somehow they pierce the veil of the LLC and use and you know the 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 thing is the worst thing that can happen if you have one property in an LLC is you're going to lose that property lose your at whatever equity whatever stake you have in that property but if you have you know five properties in one LLC and one property you know something bad happens somebody drowns in the pool or something and somehow you get sued although you know there's plenty of insurance and everything in place if something crazy happened the entire LLC is at risk. So that's the only reason that uh, you don't like to pile it up with, you know, 20 properties in one LLC. It's kind of risky. Okay, so I, ideally, from a risk standpoint, it would be one property per. Yeah, account. yeah, and so if it's if it's nothing, if it's like nothing to get LLCs and everything, you might have a lot. But see, now here, there's maintenance issues too, and how you're taking payments in that. And I don't want to get into an equi, equi, uh, entity structuring session here. <laughs> you know, at some point, you may want to have one LLC be like a management company, and uh, talk to your CPA about setting up something like that if you want to do that. All right, very good. Question number two. Um, they used to use whenever I take something uh, subject or, or uh, whenever I do a lease option, mm -hmm. uh, we talk about a non-refundable option consideration versus a non-refundable option deposit. Should okay. It be consideration or deposit? Uh, now, that, you know, that's a very interesting question, and, and you've been around if you ask that question. Because now, what, what is this thing? So here's, if people have a question, an issue with the word deposit, deposit because it may have the connotation that you get your deposit back. If somebody puts down a, a deposit, you, you know, the, the implication is that you put it, you might get it back. Now, obviously, they do essentially get it back if they buy. When they go through with the sale, we know, and they qualify, every penny of that goes towards the purchase price and goes towards their down payment. So essentially, they're getting it back. Okay, so, um, you know, a non-refundable option deposit is how I like to call it. That's what we call it. We call it the NROD, and that's a very important thing in your business because that's your paycheck. That's basically your first big paycheck off every deal is the non-refundable option deposit. Now, I will tell you that... Uh, you know, some states have weird little things about deposits, and they actually have the word deposit in a statute or something. So if there's something some lawyer says to you that, uh, and everybody should have a local lawyer who knows all the local rules uh, and laws and statutes, because every, you know, every state's a little different. So if they tell you something and say, hey, you know, uh, in our state, you can't take a deposit or something. And, and I'm telling you, basically, sometimes you do have to use different words for things. But we've always called it deposit. I like the word deposit. Some people say payment. Some people say consideration. Uh, essentially, you're okay with whatever you say as long as you say uh, non-refundable, obviously. That's really important. Now, every time you say that to your lease purchase buyer, non-refundable option deposit is what we like, I said. And then every time you say it, though, you want to be reassuring that now, remember, all of that goes towards your down payment and the purchase price when you buy. So they don't think it's, you know, something that's non-refundable loss forever. You know, they're going to get that back when they buy. Okay, so deposit maybe, but consideration might be safer. Deposit, I'd say deposit unless 
there's some kind unless your lawyer says there's some kind of weird statute on the books in your state that say deposits are uh, you know they don't like the word deposit but usually guys a deposit fine okay last question if I need to call sellers when they refuse to give the VA the loan information because they're not the principal mm. I also should call sellers who say no when you ask them about lease options and financing and so forth so I got to call everybody back so why would I use a VA to call sellers if I'm going to end up calling them all back anyway well, if you already know some information about them, uh, just the information gathering process can be time-consuming, and well, getting them on the phone, and you know, you, and chasing people around. I mean, and plus, it's hard to pre-screen. I mean, if you just have a bunch of uh, what Zillow leads, you know, if you're looking at a bunch of Zillow leads, then uh, you know, compare that to having all you know, ten filled out per you know lead sheets. With information, you know, they don't, you don't always have all the information, but these are lead sheets that you can make decisions based on with notes, and, you know, you can categorize them based on quality. And, Rich, um, the nice thing about the VA service, let me explain that. So they can gather the basic information, um, and, yes, yeah, so sometimes a no, a yes, or a no is uh, a yes is a no, or they don't get mortgage information. Um, yes, that is correct, but guess what? Oftentimes they can pre-screen out, and you should definitely be looking at the notes that the VA puts in the bottom section because that can give you a lot of indication on which order you would call which deals back first. Now, if the VA sends in a lead sheet, gives you a lead sheet back, you know, Eagle VA, and it's a yes, obviously you're going to call the yeses first. Now, you should also call the no because you went to the Quick Start Real Estate School. You got all the advanced training, and you know how to do the closing call and negotiate the deal. So that's why sometimes a no can turn to a yes, even though the VA took the basic order information. They haven't been to the same training, and they don't know NLP, neurolinguistic programming, and they don't have the closing call scripts that you've been taught and you've learned. Well, also, sometimes people say no when they don't understand the question. That's right. So if, it's, you know, if they're asking them, will you take payments for your equity, um, they may not understand what equity is or payments over time or whatever. So that's sometimes the issue. And I just, you know, mainly the callbacks on the no's is more of a clarifying issue. And sometimes they'll even give you the reason they can't do it. And, guys, let's face it. I mean, this is more of a matchmaking service. You're, you know, you're in this business. You've got to get enough leads and you're, there's going to be plenty of people who aren't your love match. And so if somebody, if you're looking at the notes and it says, you know, must have money uh, because moving out of state and needs to put 50000 down on property that they already have a contract on or something, you're probably not going to magically, you know, make that one work because they, they need the money. And, but you're looking for people who can afford to be a little patient, don't need all their money, or basically don't have any money coming anyway. You know, they owe 200 on a house that's worth 210 and you say, will you sell it to me for what you owe on it? And they say, I guess so. You know, it's probably, they would, probably would have had to bring money into closing. And then you turn around and you probably ask 225 uh, You mark it up a little because we provide financing. And so you build a little twenty twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 spread that many times over the years will grow into a $50,000 deal or more. So... That was a long answer. Did I hit that? Well, if I use VAs, it may save me a little time. It may help me to prioritize a bit. But in the, in the, at the end of the day, I'm going to be calling almost all of them back anyway. Yeah, and you know what, though? If you can't get a no on the phone, you're not going to chase them. Now, if you have a yes, you're going to chase them. 
you know, but if you have some no that doesn't look that good and you read the notes and it's pretty clear that they have an issue that you're probably not going to surmount, you're going to try to call them once or twice, okay? Uh, it, you know, sometimes it's clear that this is not going to be a deal. And so, you know, while we always say call the no's and try to explain it, if it's clear, if, if she didn't even get to the explanation of it at all, then, you know, then you have a shot. But if she kind of explained it or they understood it and they clearly said we aren't doing this because of blank, 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 and they got pretty good justification, like I said, they're not your huckleberry. They're not your love match. So this, on some of these, it's next. So, yeah, but if they you're are- busy... Yeah, they are a good pre-screening, pre-screening yeah. mechanism. If you're busy, you're probably not going to be calling back the no's. you got enough yeses, you're probably, probably I, you know, I shouldn't say that, but you're probably going to dismiss some of the no's with maybe a quick call or one try or, or not even that. Or with our three-minute sand timer, our egg timer. Have you seen that? Get on and off the phone with, within three minutes because most sellers are suspects. Yeah. Well, i got to tell you, I, I read Trump's book on how to make a deal, and so if I get somebody on the phone, it's going to be a deal. <laughs> it's going to be a slam dunk. It's going to be huge. Rich, you're wonderful. All right. Well, hey, great job. Hey, really good questions. I'm sure a lot of people have either have those questions or have not quite got to the point where they have those questions. So all very good. Guys, I hope you're taking notes out there. I mean, why listen to this stuff unless you're going to remember it? Because if you're just going to forget it in the next week or two, then, you know, you're wasting your time on the call. It's long-term impact. Every time you expose yourself to training, take some notes and keep looking them over occasionally because then you'll remember this stuff faster. It, it speeds up your learning curve. That's right. All right. So great questions, Rich. Thanks for the call. Okay, thanks. Okay, next we have looks like Joe and Stephanie, according to the last name here. We got the Earls family. Is that Joe and Stephanie? Hello. Hello. Uh, no, this is Marianne Nunez from California. Oh, hi, Marianne. Oh, okay. What are you doing? <laughs> the next one must be them. Yes. Okay, hi. got it. Hello. Well, it just would not be the alumni call without you, Marianne. <laughs> All right. So you have a good question for us today, tonight, today? Uh, well, yes. Actually, I sent in a lead sheet. Yes, yes, we got it right here. So let's go over the important numbers. Marielle, why don't you go over the numbers for us? Okay. Uh, our... Okay, she's asking 589. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ARV I found, the best I could find was 632, however. there was This is a five-bedroom, uh, three-bath, or one full, two, three-fourths. I could not find anything that's a five-bedroom, uh, three bath. I only found a three bedrooms, two bath at six thirty two. Okay. okay, so the R six thirty two. Oh wait, no. So I, I you cut out a little bit there, but so it's five bedroom, three bath, and the biggest you could find was a three bedroom, two bath to, for a comp. Yes, for a comp. What's the square footage on those two? Is the square okay. footage about the same? No, that's just it. The the. Subject property has 2,147 square feet, and the other ones that were 3-2 were 1,738. There was none that oh, was... Oh, that's, that's not too far apart. So, um, but, uh, so, what's the question? So, so uh, they're asking 589, and are they willing to do uh, owner financing, or what's the deal? I was, I was uh, lease, lease purchase, three years. 
Okay, so they'll do lease purchase three years. How much do they owe on their mortgage? Pretty clear. Okay, great. And what's the least amount they'll take monthly and the longest amount of time they'll give you? Long three years, you said? Three years and 2500 a month, uh, no down. Excellent. And yeah, we usually put nothing down. So 2500 a month, that's a good monthly. Uh, nothing down, three years. Any kind of... Now, this is the thing that's going to come up on every house you guys do is what are the rental comps? So there's I a couple of different that. ways that you guys can be checking those. Uh, obviously, Rentometer is one that people like. Also, Zillow. Now, I will tell you that it's a Zillow world out there, right, Henry? Lynette? Oh, yes, it's a Zillow world. <laughs> so it's really, if, if you don't know this estimate, now if you get a yes lead, before you call, I want you to have comps, and I want you to know what this estimate is, because I, I, I bet you they do. They know it. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't know, what do you think, honey? At least three out of four cases, they're going to know yeah. the estimate. It's really, people really know Zillow, and they go on Zillow. And so, and a lot of the properties uh, are actually listed on Zillow that we run into that are FISBOs. So you got to know this basic information. And so one of the sites that we like for comps is realestateabc.com. We harp on this one just because, now here's what I like about it. It's, uh, it has a nice display. Look, every, there's plenty of websites you can pull up that show all the solds. That's, you know, if the solds are available, there's a few places in the country where they don't publish the public records or whatever. But most places, guys, they have all the solds in your area pop up right on this page on Real Estate ABC. So you go in there, you enter the address of the subject property, and then all these, you, you scroll down the page a little bit, and all these comps show. And so you look at them, and they, the, what, what I like about Real Estate ABC is it just displays them real nice. So you get about 20 comps on one page, and it shows them real easy to read and everything. And you just go along, and this is what Marianne's talking about, is trying to find something that's the same square footage. So, you know, on a house that's 2,100 square uh, probably ideally you'd like to find something uh, that's within a couple hundred square feet of that, you know. Uh, and you same uh, bedroom bathroom count as well if if you can get it so if you can find that kind of property that's going to be a good comp and then you what you want to do is find the top one or two that matches your house so the the best thing is like within a couple hundred square feet within you know a mile of your subject property is nice uh, and within a year for sure and even like six months or something would be even better so you look at all those little factors, and the cool thing is they're all listed right there on that comp chart. It's never been easier to find comps. Basically, it used to be hard, you know, and now it's like nothing. You just go on one website, and you got great comps. So uh, that's, that's I know. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So the thing is, so um, back to your deal here, uh, Marianne, is that basically, obviously, you could get easily 2500 a month from a lease purchase buyer who's yeah, willing to pay more. What I started off with was where, where did, if you found rent, rental comps on this property. And, and a lease purchase buyer pays more. Marianne, did you find any kind of rental comps or Zestim? Uh, it's, on, it's on the lease sheet, uh, 3495 at rental meter. Nice. Okay. Wow, okay, and you're getting it for 2500 Okay, so maybe you can sometimes ask a little bit more on a lease option as well. Absolutely. So, 
So you, this could be a $1,000 monthly positive Easily. cash flow for three years. So, yeah. guys, that's $36,000 just monthly positive cash flow. And how much? And is this under contract? Yeah, what? Well, I had an appointment today at 5, and uh, she wanted me to come right after she had a showing somebody else was interested. And she just texted me about an hour ago, canceling it, saying that uh, the person that she showed it to today, uh, they're going in escrow tomorrow. Oh, that somebody else bought it out from under you? Well, why do you tease us with this great well, lease? You should have went out there yesterday. Why do you today? Uh, well, because she, she didn't want to do it until after she saw the okay, so oh, okay. ending appointment when you first uh, talked really? to her. Now, when yeah. did you first get that lead, Marianne? Uh, not too long. Uh, let's see, today is Monday, so it must have been Friday. Okay, that's good. That, that's good. And this is a, a lesson to be learned on this. Uh, it, a lot of times in your area, properties will move fairly quickly, and when you get a flexible seller, you want to move quickly. Uh, Ron, I don't particularly like this saying, but Ron always says you can't steal in slow motion. <laughs> I like that. So, <laughs> I guess I'm a little kinder at heart. But uh, I'm a kinder, gentler version of Ron. But I tell you, I, really with uh, these kind of deals, uh, you can try to push people into signing the contract, but if they have other appointments pending, that's, you really don't have a good leg to stand on. And, and Marianne, um, I would definitely follow up on this deal because until it's a closed deal, a done deal, 100% um, yes. funded, you want to follow up on this deal. Cause also, you had when you, did they buy this for cash? Was this a cash sale? She just texts me and just says that um, she found a buyer and that they're closing escrow tomorrow. That's all okay. she said. And But she did give me some good news. So she says, however, I have another property, uh, so um, I, I'll, you know, I'll be in touch with you. She has another property. She, her mother died, and she's here out of state. She's an out-of-state home. She's an out-of-state person. She's here in California. Uh, to take care of her mom, and their mom died, so now okay. she has that house. So that's what that was all about. And well, good, then you'll get the next one. Yeah, and then I also told her, well, um, you know, congratulations. Uh, if escrow doesn't, if it doesn't go through, you have my number. So mm -hmm. Nice. Well, good job, Marianne. Uh, Let I, us just wanted, I just wanted you to kind of, uh, if it were to, if I were to get this deal, I wanted to kind of get an idea of what, you know, what I'm doing here, and if I did everything, I checked the rental meter, I checked Zillow, I, I've got three different uh, companies that I got comps from, and yep. that's the best that can come up. Hey, it sounds like all the numbers lined up, Marianne. If it, you know, hadn't sold, that would have been a really great deal. And you'll go yep. get the next one, no yep. doubt. All right, well, you know what, we do have a couple of, quite a few people in the queue, Brian. Um, okay, okay so, thank you. Well, thank you very much for your call, Marianne. Send us an email if you have any other questions. You got our email, okay, Marianne? Okay, I do, I do. Okay, okay thanks. Okay. Thank you All right, the next person in the queue we have, uh, Ralph Robinson. Hi. Hey, How Ralph. Hi, hey, Ralph. How's everything going? Wonderful. It's so nice to hear your voice. Hey, great. You guys are having a great call. I appreciate the good information. I learned stuff already, uh, awesome. which I always do when I listen to you guys. Um, oh, I have thank a, you. Nice I, <laughs> I have a uh, lead sheet um, there. Do you see it? Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. 
Run okay, through the numbers, a, uh, uh, the important numbers, so everybody else can be on the same page. All right. Okay. So what they're asking, what he's asking is uh, eighty thousand. Uh, what it's worth, what I found in uh, Zillow and, and Redfin, is about eighty one five. Um, right. So he's asking what it's the, worth. That's fine. Yeah. The problem is he owes uh, seventy three thousand two oh seven. However, he's behind, and this was the NOD. I notice a default person, and um, he's behind it probably about a year, uh, a little more. Um, Seven thousand one hundred nine. So that kind of brings it. Ralph, what kind of shape is the house in? Well, that's the other thing. It uh, needs about between fifteen and twenty thousand. Okay, repairs. that's not a deal, Ralph. Unless, I'm unless, sorry, we well, try to help out everybody we well, can. But obviously, this is a deal where the bank will have to take a discount. So, Ron has yeah, a, Ron I've has already, a um, for this. You can't I've, make chicken. Yep. <laughs> so what have you well, found I've, out, I've Rob? Already, uh, okay, I've already uh, submitted a, uh, a letter of authorization uh, authorization to release information to the bank and sure. told them that I wanted to do a short sale and for them to send me the short sale package. Okay. And the um, uh, owner's with me on that, and uh, we're kind of moving forward. Okay. That's only – I was just – one, if you saw anything else, I kind of figured that was the only strategy I could use is try to get it. Okay, I think absolutely. So you already have it under contract and everything? Yeah, I have it. Well, I have the uh, purchase and sales agreement uh, signed and right between uh, you and them. Fact. Okay, okay, very yeah, good. Yeah. All right, now uh, yeah. this is this could be potentially. Is it just one mortgage on the property then to, that totals the seventy-three? Oh, oh, only one mortgage. Okay, uh-huh. and. What's the company, by by the way? The bank, Ditech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ditech Home Loans. Ditech. Okay. You you have a shot, guys. Different banks work differently, but you're what you're going to do is try to work this through the short sale, the loss mitigation department, and part of it is you know sort of a babysitting job. In some places, make decisions pretty quickly, and sometimes it depends on how long they've had it, and all these things are in different statuses and all that. So. Basically, a, a short sale is a, is a matter of patience sometimes and just staying in the game and plugging away. Now, Ralph, do, are you, did you submit a dollar number on your offer? Uh, not, to the, not to the bank. I did to the owner let him know that I was only going to offer it 24-4. Okay. And start, start from there and see, how, um, see if they'll bring me up. If they bring me up, if they have to bring me up, I'm not going over 30, but um, I wanted to start at 24-4. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see how that plays out. And now, do you know? Now, here's a lot of times. Uh, do you have? Is there an agent involved with this short sale at all? Is this just between no. you, the seller, and the bank at this point? Yeah. At this point, they're probably going to require a listing agent yes. uh, mm-hmm. to get involved. So, and that's typical. However, um, with the amount of re- repairs needed, I'm taking pictures. I'm going to send them pictures and so forth. I know they're going to send the BPO out, but yes, and that I'm was going to send next couple, Yeah, that was my next couple of points. If you're working a short sale, guys, the best short sales are usually really beat up properties, because the bank can't just turn around and, and throw it on the market with an agent and sell it. And so the bank uh, is not in the business of rehabbing the house, and they'll put a real beat up house out there sometimes. But this, if you can work with them, and and you're already there. And you're, you know, they can sell it through you pretty quickly. Uh, sometimes that's the best way to go. So if you have a beat up house, to make sure you take good pictures, lots of pictures of how bad it is, 
and try to get them to the BPO agent or whoever you can get to the bank. You know, somebody in the loss mitigation, try to send them over to whoever you can get a hold of over there. And, uh, you know, if you, and this is kind of tricky, and sometimes you can work it out and sometimes you can't, but they do send what they call a BPO agent, and that's uh, broker's price opinion is what that stands for. And so that's the agent that's going to tell the bank what the property is worth. What, and so, you know, if they have a low number, that's good. And if they have a high number, that's not so good for you. And that really determines whether or not you have a deal. So that's a very important part of it. So if you can sort of meet, you know, or uh, get, you know, some kind of information on the BPO agent, you can get some comps, some low comps to them and the pictures. That can be helpful as well. So, but a lot of times you can't really be a part of that process, but you can try. So, uh, but every short sale is a little different, and the banks work them differently. Uh, but you just got to stay in the game and stay patient, and you got to have cash though too, because when if they say yeah you got it, uh, usually you have to submit your offer to banks, and they don't let you assign the contract to other people, uh, to another entity. Sometimes that's not always in stone, but uh, so, so usually you have to close in the entity that you're buying the property in. So you got to have some kind of money, transitional funding, or something if you're selling to another party. I'm get, am I getting too involved, honey? Or? Transactional funding. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, that's, a good, that's a good thing to work on, and keep us posted on that one, Ralph. Yeah, and guys, if there's any kind of money in a deal, if there's any kind of equity and someone's way behind, uh, as opposed to going through a whole short sale, uh, let's say somebody's $5,000 behind on the mortgage uh, or even $10,000 behind, but the house isn't in too rough a shape, and you know they owe like a hundred, and the house is maybe worth one forty or one twenty, some kind of equity spread there. And sometimes it's worth it to pay the five. And basically, you're putting five thousand down or ten thousand down. You don't want to put money down, but you know if you can catch up the mortgage and it's a good payment and everything, uh, that's sometimes you just got a property for what the mor- what's owed on the mortgage. Yeah, and that's I'm- a really good point, Brian. So like he was saying, let's say they owe a hundred thousand, it's worth a hundred and forty thousand. And you just need five or ten grand to bring it current, uh, then take it over subject two, and the seller gets to move on. Uh, that's a good idea. There's also a forbearance and a reinstatement that sometimes we can get. Um, do you want to explain that at all? Or is that yeah, if you ask the mortgage company, anytime you get involved with a property where you think you're going to try to extend the mortgage instead of pay it off, and they're late, make sure you get something from the mortgage company that tells you that they will accept payments. If you close on this deal, especially if you give the seller any money or anything, and then you try to send in this check to the mortgage company and they say, no, it's too far gone, we're just going to take it to foreclosure, well, you're out. So yeah. why you always want to get some kind of verification uh, from the mortgage company, yes, we will accept these payments and this is what it will take to bring it current. And as part of that, if it doesn't make sense for you to come up with that cash up front or you can't do it, you can negotiate with the bank and say, hey, could we do a forbearance or a reinstatement where basically you reinstate the loan as, as good and as, as paying on time and take the delinquency and put it on the end of the loan. So it will extend the length of the loan. It will add a bunch of payments, however many payments were missed, plus the delinquency and the charges and stuff. They basically add it on to the end of the loan. So you don't have to come up with the money up front. So that's the plus side. And, uh, you know, you just keep making the, the payments. So that's, you know, if you can work that out, 
uh, instead of making up the payments up front. That's, that's you know, a great strategy. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's, you gave us a lot to talk about there, Ralph. Do you have more questions on that one? I just have another quickie uh, on a um, lease purchase that we, we got, um, and we've got it subject to. Uh, we, had a, um, we have a seller who's um, all for doing the, getting, you know, catching up with her rearage and so forth and getting rid of the house. And then afterwards, uh, she had a little seller's remorse. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started fixing up the house and so forth, uh, getting ready for the market, and she um, wanted a key to the house. I said, well, no, we can't give you a key to the house. She said, well, it's my house. I said, no, it's no longer your house. <laughs> but we went back and forth in this, you know, with the loans in my name and yada, yada, yada. So anyway, yeah. um, I just wonder if you had a tip for us as to how to deal with um, sell- sellers who are having seller's remorse. Well, you know, that it's kind of funny too, guys, because sometimes this, when you're doing a property subject to and you're taking over payments, not everybody, uh, you know, is the sharpest tool in the shed. I hate to say it, but, I mean, some people really don't completely grasp it. And so, like, this lady was confused, and she thought maybe she still owned it or something. And you just got to try to explain and make it very clear that our company is, owns the property as of the closing, yeah, and the mortgage is still in your name. And I can see where something where some confusion would happen with that. Yeah, and it's, you know, basically you have a purchase and sale contract. It's uh, very much enforceable uh, that you own the house, okay? And um, worth And now was the deed recorded? Did you record already at that point? I mean, you record. Ooh, here's the thing, guys. Yeah. Once you record, yeah, there's really not a lot they can do other than try to sue you or something, but I've never had that happen. Uh, so, you know, but she has buyer's remorse after, or seller's remorse after she saw how you guys fixed up the property. Yeah. Is that what happened? Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. what happened. That does not happen very often, but oh, you yeah. just need to remind her that she's under contract and that you own the house. Because, you don't want to yeah. have to involve. Yeah, you got it so nice, I want to move back in. <laughs> thanks. Why'd <laughs> you do such a good job on the house, Ralph? Yeah, thanks for But you know, we did. That's, that's a very pretty house now. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> how much like did you count on that one? Did, did you already get your lease purchase buyer in there? No, not yet. We have a, a couple of buyers who are vying for it now. I think it's going to be sold within a week because um, oh, that's these, great. these guys finally have some serious people. But it's been uh, on the market for about a, almost a month. How much um, are the, does it look like you're going to get down on it? Uh, well, at least 20000 It says oh, wow. uh, 220000 that's real good, Ralph. That's real good. So that's about nice. 10%. And, you know, sometimes Ron doesn't like me to talk about percentages, but you need some kind of a benchmark to go by sometimes. And so when you have to pay something down, like even if it's catching up a mortgage or something, obviously you want to pay like 2 or 3% or like first and last month. Uh, that's how we pitch it sometimes. Well, we'll give you first and last month. Well, first we say we usually put nothing down. Yes, yes. If we we were going to come up with something down, what's the least you would take? We have the seller make us the offer. Yes, but you always start with nothing down. But if you're pushed into, you know, saying something and, you know, giving some indication, you want to go like 2 to 3% down. You don't want to go over 5% down if you can help it. But, guys, sometimes you're in a position where you've got to put 10% down. They need it for something. They need a certain amount or whatever. Or – 
Sometimes when people do owner financing, they get this number, and I don't know if they read it in a book or something, and they get this number, I need 10% down, and they're just glued to it, and there's nothing you can do. So now do you walk away from those deals? Absolutely not, especially if you're getting some free equity in those deals. So what you do is you, you know, tell them that you're going to go out and you're going to try to find the right buyer, and then you try to find somebody who has 10% down, so at least you break even up front and have a big, huge back-end payday. Obviously, it's great if you can find somebody with 30000 down and make something up front as well. Uh, but don't walk away from a deal just because people want you know, a bunch of money down. Just try to find somebody who has the money down, stay in the deal, and, and make a bunch of money off the deal. And I do want to comment on that percentage thing. So um, let's say in, in, in your mind... I didn't finish that. So you're never wanting to pay more than that, and you're looking for about 10% down, although you never but, tell people that. You always Yeah, when Brian says uh, even a percentage in his mind, let's say it's a $200,000 home, he's not going to say... Uh, 10%. He's, oh, uh, you know, that's more for your guys' internal for, calculations. Yeah, in your own mind. Yeah. And so you're li- you'd like to get 10% down, though, or, you know, but you always say, what's the most? What's the most you can put down on your beautiful new home? Oh, I thought you were talking about the seller. With <laughs> yeah. sellers, it's always the least, and with buyers, it's what's the most you can put that's down right. on your beautiful new home. Good questions, Ralph. Yeah. Great questions. Oops. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And yeah. All right. We're to, on. Uh, great job, Ralph, and way to be out there taking action. We're on our next Thanks. caller. It is Sigfred. Uh, Sig Sigfred? Yes, yeah, Sigfredo. Can you hear me? Sigfred. Yeah. Hey, oh, how are you awesome. doing? Good, good. So, um, okay, so this is uh, my first um, pretty house contract. Um, it took me a long time. I got some health issues and stuff. But anyway, here's what I got. I got a house, 300000 This is in Florida, in Orlando. Um, the, the buyer is selling it for what he owes, which is 243 Wow. Nice. That's good so far. And uh, uh, payments are, you know, sixteen sixty a month. Okay, that's and pretty rent, reasonable. Yeah, and, and rent in that. insurance? Yes, yes, that's that's payment to the bank. That's the payment to the bank. That's great. Um, but here's um, and tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna meet with the attorney. I already got everything figured out as far as how to do the land, uh, the, the 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 land trust, and I got the attorney lined up. Uh, my my concern is that the the owner he is an elderly gentleman and his health is not that great. So he himself told me that he doesn't feel that he's gonna be around very long. So my question is, if I would have set this up according to what I've learned, um, what would happen if he were to pass away? My concern would that trigger yeah. the, the – Now, it's, he's already broached the topic that uh, – now, it's a little hard sometimes to bring this up if they haven't brought it up with an elderly person. And sometimes if you're buying a property from an elderly person – you want to know who the heirs are and have the heirs understand what this deal is. Now, sometimes you can mess your deal up by doing that, so you want to be careful because you don't want to go talking to a bunch of brain people in and making them decision makers in a deal that's already basically done. Okay, but it's good to know kind of who is, you know, who's going to inherit this property because that's who you're going to be dealing with, whoever the heirs are. Now, there's going to be someone who's the executor of the estate, and uh, you're going to maybe have to explain the, the deal. 
and they may not even understand exactly how you know grandpa sold the house uh, but you're going to have to explain it now you have a legal binding contract and you i mean it's not like they can take the house back or anything um, but it's a good thing to kind of know who you might be dealing with you know if something happens especially uh, if for nothing else, just to know the logistics, because sometimes, you know, there's somebody dies and the paperwork gets lost and, you know, and you might have trouble tracking people down. Now, here's the thing. If you do a lease purchase, if you're doing, uh, now, if you're buying the house and taking the deed in your own company's name, you're pretty safe, okay? I mean, there, there might be a mortgage hanging out there with this elderly person's name on it, but here's the thing. We just bought a house where the woman had passed away, but they didn't tell the mortgage company yet that she'd passed away. And uh, it was, we bought the house from the heirs, and we're making payments on the mortgage. And as far as the mortgage company knows, you know, just these payments are coming in. So, no, and nobody really cares when that mortgage ever gets paid off, uh, except us because, you know, it's a lien on the property. So basically we're going to pay on that mortgage, and that seller is gone, and they really don't care. So that may be the situation depending on, you know, what the error situation is and if there's money in this house. Now, that's the thing. If there's a bunch of money in this house and so, you know, they're waiting for $300,000 to split up amongst them, there may be some pressure, but they can't pressure you out of whatever agreement you already have with the guy. You know, I mean, that, that, was, that agreement is a legal and binding agreement. So, but like I said, it would be a good thing to know who's going to inherit the property so you know who you might be dealing with. But be very hesitant about, like, involving them and calling them up and saying, hey, when he passes away, you know, I'm going to be sending the payments to you. I mean, don't do that. Because just... technically you'll have the purchase and sale contract and you'll have the deed recorded and the title will transfer. So. Yeah, and so the only thing I want you guys to be careful of is if you're doing a sandwich lease purchase, from somebody who's elderly, because there you could really be out. Right, I mean, but you might have a scenario. With uh, and that's why it's always a little dicey when you do a sandwich lease purchase, putting money into the house, fixing it up too much, uh, you know, because somebody could mess with you. It, as much as you want to sue them for specific performance and say you have to sell me this house because I have this option that says you have to sell it to me, and, and uh, you know, they could uh, say you can't, you know, physically force me to go in there and sign the paperwork, so that's the tricky thing. So if it's someone, if it's an elderly person and you only have a sandwich lease purchase, then you really do need to actually talk to whoever's going to be dealing, you're going to be dealing with down the road. Yeah. Otherwise, you could get messed up. Somebody could say, well, you just have a piece of paper here. You, you don't have anything recorded or nothing, which is the case with a sandwich lease purchase. So. Does that explain your question? Yeah. I, I, have, a, I have a contract. Subject two. That's what we sign out. Oh, perfect. And that's great. And then you already got the deed and you recorded it, so that's fine then. Right. So, um, yeah, my my only cost going in is going to be, you know, he's he's not willing to continue to pay. I mean, he's leaving at the end of the month, and he's not, you know, so I'm going to have to pick up. I'm assuming at least 90 days of the payments until I can get somebody in there. Now, um, I don't, guys. When you get a new house, is this house like? pretty clean and nice and ready to be sold? Is it a pretty house? It is. Yeah, okay, it is. Well, it's I don't know what you're talking about this 90 days. There's a lot of equity, Brian. He's buying for 243 yeah. and it's worth at least 300 I mean, this house should be sold in the first weekend. Yeah. I mean, here's what you guys need to be thinking. When I get a pretty house, 
I'm going to take a little time and stage it, and then I'm going to do an open house. Everybody should be thinking open house is the fastest way to sell, and you get not just a buyer for that open house. When you do these things right and you advertise on Zillow and put it out there on Craigslist and you put up lots of signs, yes, it's going to suck up your Saturday, but you don't even do a four-hour. We do a one-hour open house. Okay, yes. and you really and we create a frenzy. Yeah, we, we actually sell drawings and and we do flyers in the neighborhood and door hangers and stuff, and we make it really big. And if you what you're trying to get is about uh, at least ten to now. This is going to be area dependent. So if you're in if the house is in a pretty good traffic area where a lot of people like to live, you might see fifty people in one hour. And now that's exactly the urgency you're trying to build. What you're trying to do is get two to three to ten people in the kitchen filling out applications with inside of each other and, you know, grabbing their checkbooks and writing their check and competing with each other. That's right. That's your goal. So, you know, you don't throw some house out there and say, oh, I hope this sells and 90 days later you're still sitting on it. No, because you've got to sell it right away. Otherwise, everybody sees on Zillow how long your house is on the market. And you guys need to be very conscious of that. When you see new listings, one of the first things your eyes go to is the DOM, Days on Market. And if you see something on Zillow that's on the market for 106 days, you think that's a lot different than six days? Absolutely. And so that's the same with you. So you put your house up on Zillow, and 106 days later it's still there. Something's very wrong. You need to get urgency, and you need to get excitement around this house, and right away, too. So the second the house is ready, uh, this, no, I'm not, uh, you know, I was going to say I'm not preaching this to you, but yeah, I'm preaching this to you, because <laughs> this is what you what? do, this is what we do. And if you really want to sell your houses fast, this is, this is what you do, and you, you, know, you stage a big open house. Now, the second day, this, that's on Saturday. Then on Sunday, since your signs are all out there, you don't go around and pick up all your pointer signs and all your you know, rent-to-own home signs. You just leave them out there and do another open house on Sunday, and that one you can do for four hours if you want. Do it 12 to 4 or 1 to 5 or whatever. And, you know, if you, if you really want to, some of you thinker brains are going to think, oh, I lost people because I was only open for one hour. So satisfy yourself on Sunday. But basically, you should have the house sold on Saturday. Absolutely. With the one-hour sale, we saw that house plus two or three more right there. I mean, we have to go to that neighborhood and buy a whole bunch of other houses because we have so many non-refundable option deposits that we need to find other houses for. Yeah, so your idea, when you guys get a house that's a nice, pretty house in an area that people want to live in, you should be thinking that if I close on this thing on Tuesday, you know, I'm going to have my open house on Saturday and this thing's going to be sold. And, and not only that, but I'm going to have another person with 20000 and another person with 15000 who are waiting for me to find them a house. Guys, that, that, you know, sometimes people have first delightus. They're afraid to pull the trigger because they're afraid they're going to be making payments, like what you're talking about with this house. Well, I, have to, I might be making payments on this for 90 days. That's a scary thought. It might be longer than that. That's even more scary. But if you get the right you know, attitude and you know, hey, I can sell any house within a week, and you get the system set up right with these open houses, then uh, you, you never have to worry about that again. You never worry about pulling the trigger. So that's, that's right. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, so should I should I um, find furniture and put in there or just? No, uh, if it's if it's a vacant house, you guys can do. Uh, we have a small staging a kit. Small that staging we do. kit. Now the biggest thing about a house is that there's a lot of blank space. So staging is sort of, you know, the goal of it is to fill up the blank spaces. I want you to do, you know, get some, uh, some basic staging kits. You're going to get plants, 
Uh, you're going to get pictures. We call it the four P's. Yeah, the four P's of staging. Pictures, so, plants, pictures, plants, pots, and potpourri. Yeah, like big pots <laughs> on the corner or on the shelves and then potpourri. So it's the four like, P's. And then you're going to get some little towel sets for the bathroom, and you're going to get some stuff for the kitchen that make it look, you know, not like somebody lives there, but just a little bit lived in, okay? And so some nice little stuff for the countertop. And, again, uh, you know, shower, curtain rods, stuff like that. Make it look nice and pretty, but you don't have to overdo it. And then what's real cheap is you're going to do these. Uh, what I want you to do is do these foam core uh, 36 by 24 big posters and you can just say on the poster, welcome to our open house. It would be good if there's a picture of you on this. And, guys, you can do these for full color for like 30 bucks. They look really awesome. You can set them on an easel, and you can set them in the bedrooms, and you can put them up and, and fill up a huge amount of space with these. And it says, hey, if you're interested, talk to us and fill out an application, and we'd love to talk to you. And, hey, if you know anybody who's looking for a house or looking to sell a house, call us at this number. And so you want to build a referral network at your open houses. So if you've got 50 people wandering through here, you want to have these posters sitting around with your phone number and contact. It them. is so incredibly powerful. But yeah. we don't have time to go through all these tips, yes. honey, because I have people in the queue. Um, yeah, I, do, but... I get excited talking about these, <laughs> obviously. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, great. I think you're going to be able to sell this house. You know what? Let's talk a little bit more. You know, if you if you call Global, you can uh, give us your email or something. And or I'll... you can actually go to the Gold Club because I know you're all Gold Club members, and you can always send a message to us that way. Yeah. The Wolf yeah. Couple. Send a message to the Wolf Couple if you want to know more about getting this house sold fast. Okay? Awesome. Appreciate that very much. You bet. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Great job. That is a great Bye-bye. deal, too, guys. Oh, that is three hundred thousand. It's worth at least three hundred. He got it for two forty three, zero down, subject to no credit, no money. And it's in great. Gonna, when he does his uh, his one hour sale, yeah. I mean he's going to get minimum thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand, yeah. a whole bunch of non refundable options and rod deposits. And yeah, that's he'll have to go out and buy a couple other houses instead of worrying about selling that house. He's going to have to worry about going to buy two, three more houses right in that same neighborhood. <laughs> so. You got that right. That's what's so exciting about that. Okay, the next one, uh, the next one in the queue is, uh, I believe this is Stephanie and Joe. Is that right? Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hi. Is this Joe? Can you hear me? Hello. Long time no talk. It is. How are you doing? We're doing great. <laughs> yeah, my bad. That'd be good job. But, <laughs> oh man. Um, so we've talked a little bit, and I kind of wanted to see how you guys would handle this. So we're buying three houses subject to mm-hmm. um, between closing costs and repairs. We're looking at about $25,000 that need to go out. And there's 90000 with all these three properties. There's 90000 equity. So we have plenty of equity. But my, um, I guess, concern is we're buying them now at such high volume that we're buying so many so quickly that, you know, we're going to run out of cash, if that makes sense, All right. before what we are, can get them is, sold. What's the ARVs on these? What's the price? Uh, let's see. So I had to – let me see. Um, so well, one just of them roughly. is worth 115000 115000 Okay. Well, all the – let's see. One's hundred. Yeah, one's 115000 We're buying it for fifty nine. subject to, and then we are um, – we have to put about five or six, ten thousand dollars $10,000 into it. 
Okay, um, but here's the thing. You're going to offset. Are you not counting uh, on buy getting... another one? Yep, go ahead. Okay, but now here's the thing. Every time, and a lot of times you'll find properties like that where mm-hmm. it's going to cost you 5 or 10 Actually, this is a real cookie-cutter model for us and for a lot of you guys. You're going to find these pretty houses where the people just didn't have the five grand or they didn't have the time or they didn't live in the state or something like that. And the agent told them, you know, this house isn't going to sell probably unless you replace that carpet. Oh, no, we'll just clean it and it'll be all right. And, of course, it's not all right. And they should have done the backyard landscaping and they should have done some other stuff. So you walk in a house like that and you know that if you spend three or four grand on it or five grand, it's going to look awesome because it's got good bones, it's a good location, everything's right about it, but it's just it's dirty when you walk in there. It just doesn't look good. It doesn't show well. So you do, you're going to have that be a common model, but the part of that model that's good is you should be getting that five back you know, immediately from your lease purchase buyer. I, we generally like you guys to be playing in the 150 and up range, uh, just because you get more down. I mean, if it's a two hundred thousand dollar house, and your margins are usually a little bit bigger. So if it's a two hundred, like a hundred fifteen thousand dollar house, what do you think you can realistically expect to get down on that? Now, if we're shooting for ten percent, like about, probably between ten and fifteen thousand. Yeah, say. at yeah. least fifteen thousand, right? Yeah. And so you're shooting for fifteen. Mm-hmm. So if you have to put six or eight in up front. You know, you should be okay. You should still be, you should be at net plus going in. I will tell you guys that we have bought plenty of properties where we were net minus going in, where we had to pay a down payment and we had to catch up the mortgage and we had to put 10000 to fix it up and, you know, and we only got 20000 so we were uh, down at the start. But if you've got 70000 in equity or some huge equity stake, it's worth it. So sometimes you're going to do deals where, you know, you're straining the budget. But, you know, you should, like I say, get the money back in almost mm-hmm. every case on these pretty houses. Get whatever money you put in back right away from your lease purchase buyer's non-refundable option deposit. So it sounds to me like, um, you I know. love the yeah, fact this that in a lot of houses. But Harvard does take everything into it. Yeah. What was that? Oh, well, I'm we, sorry. We so if you're doing the one-hour sale and you're constantly not only uh, selling that house, but three more at the same time. So can you hear right. me? Yeah, we got a delay. There's a big delay between us on, on these calls. Yeah, I can hear you. It must be your, your phone. We didn't have it earlier. Yeah. Are you on a cell phone, Joe? Yeah, it might be. Okay. No, it's running through my computer uh, via, via IP, voice over internet protocol. Oh, that's why. That's why. Um, yeah, so basically, like I said, if you've got uh, – Basically, ninety thousand in equity, and you need twenty-five thousand between these three houses. Um, you should easily be able to be exiting out if you're doing the uh, the one-hour sale that we do, and the urgency and creating that huge list of buyers that you have constantly. You'll never run into the cash flow uh, situation that you're talking about. Well, you now got- you do have an initial outlay sometimes, and guys, this okay. is sometimes it's a timing thing. Now. If you have not a lot of money uh, and you have to pay the seller, let's say the seller's not going to do it unless you give them ten grand. A lot of times you can work it out if the seller will let you do showings in advance of them either moving out or in advance of you actually closing on it. A lot of times you can get the house sold in advance so you can get your money from your lease purchase buyer before you even have to pay the seller. All you've paid the seller up to that point is ten bucks. 
So a lot of times you can make this thing work, even if you don't have the money and even if the seller wants money. But every once in a while you're in a position where the seller needs the money first or you don't have your buyer lined up yet or whatever. So it's nice if you got, you know, five or ten or like in your case, Joe, like 25 grand to play with here, but you don't want to strain it where you don't have some reserves. So obviously, hopefully, you're re- replenishing that quickly with these non-refundable option deposits. And Joe, Joe, instead of the uh, putting the lease purchase buyer in there, what about the work for equity buyer, where you don't need to come up with the twenty-five grand? Well, that's the twenty-five is over three properties, and but yeah, right, right. So, but you can, yeah, if you have ten, if you have ten thousand repairs, that. Yeah, Lynette's exactly right. That's a great idea. That if you don't want to do the initial outlay for the repairs, you can sell it for work for equity. You can basically just do all we say is just clean up. You know, you don't even you don't touch it. You other than just you know do a little landscaping, haul the garbage out, and it costs you a few hundred bucks, and then you put it on the market, and you just put handyman special, rent to own, bad credit, okay, and you get a ton of people looking at these kind of properties. A lot of people who are in the trades and, and uh, would love to have a handyman special project to live in. And so you can get a decent down payment, usually not quite as much, cause they, and you don't want to totally take all their money because they're using their money to fix the house up. So you, you ask a little bit less than what you would normally ask, and probably about whatever the cost of the repairs are. Probably about that's about what you're going to ask less than what you would ask. Sometimes it's a little bit more than that, actually. So, tech, guys, I, you're going to make more money if you fix it up, usually. If you put the ten grand in and make the house look real nice and then do the big open house, you're probably going to make maybe 20 or 30 more on that house. So, usually, if you got the money, it's worth it. But if you just want to sell fast, and especially if you've got too many houses, if you've got three at the same time, and you don't want to fix them all up, or you don't have the budget right now to fix them all up, you know, fix two up, the ones that you think have the biggest margins, and then sell the third one as a work for equity. That's a good point, Brian. Okay. Great, great job, Joe. I mean, it really, seriously, guys, anybody who's out there and has three deals going at the same time, that is, you know, obviously shows a lot of, uh, taking action and shows a lot of you know getting your systems in place and and ta- and doing what you need to do. So, so who's who's your mentor, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are and, and having an acquisitionist. I think it was uh, Richard that said about the acquisitionist. It it frees you up so much and you get way more done than I would ever ever got done on my own. Um, it's great, and we have we got one here. I've got one starting in uh, the Cleveland area as well, so it's just exciting. Oh, that's great! So, guys, what we're talking about there is you can hire somebody who can do the calls and do the appointments for you, and they're actually you know going out there finding deals and taking them all the way from A to Z. And you're you're involved as much as you need to be, but a lot of times, basically, you're just saying yes or no. You're saying, yeah, that sounds good. Go out and get the contract. I mean, that is a beautiful thing when you can get an acquisition, an acquisition is trained up to that point. If you guys have more questions about that, you can ask, uh, just go through the Gold Club and say, send a message to the Wolf Couple that you want to know more about acquisitionists. Okay, because we actually teach that specific topic and how to find somebody and work with somebody effectively. And especially if you're super busy or you just really hate making the calls or whatever. Some people hire an acquisition pretty fast, and so uh, that's a person who you know loves to do the calls and loves to do the deals, and 
and we'll do them for you. So that's, that's great. We're glad you're having such great success with that. Did you get that uh, script for the attorney opening call, Joe? Yes, ma'am, I did. Okay, great. We just sent that out. Okay, well, great. And um, um, I know I, we also just sent over the work for equity checklist, which is very pertaining to these deals that we were just talking about. Okay. Um, and it's um, so we will definitely. We love your questions. Did you have any other questions? I know you have a ton of deals going, and we are so proud of you. I mean, you, you and uh, Stephanie are just superstars. No, no more questions. Just, uh, you know, once again, you know, you guys are great. If any of you uh, can take advantage of what they're doing and their mentorship, I, I think it may be wise to do that. Just do what they advise you to do and don't be stubborn like we were initially. Um, <laughs> and another thing that they talked about comps, you can also go on the dream system and get comps there as well. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah, you, were at the, you were at the training session, uh, the implementation uh, the very first inaugural one was uh, we were there with uh, Joe and Stephanie, Jennifer Shedlin and Kim and Nick were running that, and that is phenomenal. So if you can uh, get to that implementation. We actually have to, uh, I think that we're done in the queue, and um, we're supposed to be wrapping up right around now, honey. Okay, so, so guys, thank you thank very you much, call. Joe. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, thank you very much, Joe. Great call. And we had some really good calls tonight, a lot of really uh, uh, avenues that we went down that opened up a lot of avenues for some great information, some great content tonight. So we're glad you guys could be on the call with us. Yes, and don't forget to get signed up for the uh, um, alumni. alumni and the Taking Action Communication Workshop. Uh, the summit, guys. The oh, the summit. We forgot. Oh, my goodness. We are doing a summit on the West Coast. Brian, uh, Ron LeGrand is doing a summit on the West Coast. It's going to be in Las Vegas, and it's going to be the end of June. We are so excited about this summit. Um, so definitely check that you, out. It's June 27th through July 1, so you guys can check that out too. We'll be at that, and we'll be at all the quick starts. Now remember, you can go to the quick starts as well. Um, it's uh, RES 2017, so RES Real Estate Summit. 2017 if you want to sign up for the summit. Yes. So just go to RES 2017. Um, it's only $99. You want to get signed up. That's going to be phenomenal in Las Vegas. So hopefully we'll see you there, guys, or we'll see you at the Quick Start. Lynette and I are always at the Quick Starts and bring leads. Yes. No matter where Love you come. calling your sellers. That's our favorite part of the whole business where you make your money, cha-ching, cha-ching. So come back to the Quick Start Real Estate School, bring lots of leads, and you're going to learn so much every time you come back. You can come back for free for 12 months. So. Okay, so hopefully we'll see you guys real soon. Awesome. And in the meantime, guys, expect success and... Take action. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye now. Thank you.